Morning. Welcome to Rolling Hills. It is great to have you here. And if you're online, you don't know this, but I am not at Rolling Hills in person. I'm recorded right now because um, at this moment, I am in Boston as my daughter Becca gets ready to run the uh, Boston Marathon tomorrow. So I'll be uh, cheering her on with, uh, with Ryan and Kathy and the grandkids. So, um, but this is what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to make sure I was at least with you to introduce this series because I'm so excited about it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be um, tackling subjects like uh, how do you live through and deal with and find health um, when you're in the midst of trauma and suffering? How uh, do you deal with anxiety and how can that actually maybe be a positive thing in your life to, to spur you on towards health? Um, how do you avoid or get out of burnout? Burnout. These are all things that, you know, maybe now more than ever, the last few years especially, we have, we have dealt with as a society, we realize are real and um, impact us personally in our family, in our kids. And so in our spiritual journeys, how do we deal with our mental health? And uh, so that's what we're going to be dealing with. Now, what I love about the Bible, one of the things I love about the Bible is it's just honest. It is so honest, and it, um, it tells you, here are people who love God who are struggling for their minds. And you, know, you, you think of like the prophet Elijah or the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called um, the weeping prophet. You know, he's full of insecurity, insecurity issues and loneliness. Elijah was a prophet that um, had one of the most spectacular mountaintop spiritual experiences as he battled 800 um, prophets of Baal and uh, just had God show up in a way that proved the prophets of Baal were, were, were following a false god. There was no, pro, there was no real Baal. And uh, he had a, a, a really defining moment. And just right after that moment, he finds himself in darkness and despair. So much so that he says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked God that he might die. I mean, that's where he was in, in just a very real moment of despair and actually a, a time of despair. Um, Proverbs 88 is a, a proverb that was written by Haman. Not a super, or excuse me, that's a psalm, Psalm 88, written by Haman. And Haman was a well-respected follower of God. He was um, seen as a well-respected dad and family man, parent. Uh, he was wise. He was a great musician. Uh, he was faithful to the king. And as I said, he loved God. And yet, Psalm 88, here are his words. Verse 3, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to Sheol. Verse 9, my eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, Lord, and I spread out my hands to you. And yet in verse 18, he says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. I mean, it is the thing that's closest to him is he feels overwhelmed by darkness. And that's a man who loves God, has been walking with God, has been respected as a follower of God. And yet this is where he's at. 
And it just shows the reality of the difficulty of life and the battle for our mental health is a real thing. Um, the, the great commandment says this, says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's one of the beautiful things I think about a walk with God is that he deals with us holistically. He deals with us as a whole being that includes our mental, our emotions, our, our, uh, our soul, our spirit, and our mind. And so um, when Haman said, hey, darkness is my friend, one of the things that was true several years ago in my life, and it's not a, um, a battle that's gone away, it, it continues, but I found myself one day at a place I never thought I'd find myself, and that is in darkness. I, I was emotionally wiped out, mentally wiped out, and a good night's sleep, which was I wasn't getting, but oftentimes when I was feeling just so overwhelmed and pressed upon, if I could just get some rest, the next day I'd wake up and it would feel a little bit lighter, and yet I found myself in a season where the next day I woke up and it was darker, and it was darker. And in darkness um, felt like my friend in you know all, all the the wrong ways, and I didn't know how to get out. And I thought, as a pastor, as somebody who was um, leading other people in their spiritual journeys with God, that uh, this was not something that uh, would happen to me. And uh, that happens to other people. And so I power I was powering through it uh, as I came as a pastor um, to lead at Rolling Hills. And yet inside, the truth is I was dying. Um, there was no light, there was no hope, and, uh, and it was getting darker. And I finally swallowed my pride and called the counselor. And I realized I needed help. I, I'm, I'm calling out to God. I'm trying to focus on what's true and yet I'm slipping into a black hole of despair. And uh, when I reached out and started spending time with this counselor, a couple things came clear to me. One of them is calling out to get counsel was not a sign of weakness, it was actually a sign of wisdom. And God um, started leading me into a place of help, health, and that was uh, largely through just the, the counsel of a, of a godly counselor. And so uh, I'm excited for us to dig into this together because I know what it is to have my mind sick, to have my mind not healthy and not knowing how to get healthy. And it just seemed like, you know, prayer and reading my Bible was not, I, I was still going down. And is God enough? Yes, God's enough. But he constantly tells us, um, I will bring you godly counsel and wisdom if you are humble and you listen to godly counsel of wisdom. And I will bring that to you often through other human beings um, to counsel you. And so that, that was a journey that he had me on that um, I'm still on, quite honestly. And um, I'm grateful for now, as we start this series, one of the things that I thought would be, uh, I, I just wanted you to hear somebody else's story. Somebody that many of you know and you love and you respect. Uh, someone who has walked with you 
through many of your trials and your seasons for, for trying to find and keep mental health or, or through physical problems and illnesses or loss of loved ones. And, and that is recently retired Pastor Bill Colton. He's just retired a couple months ago. He's been on staff here at Rolling Hills for 26 years. Um, well-respected. Prior to being a pastor, he was a corporate attorney, had success in, in uh, the field of law, and uh, great family man, has a great family. Uh, so great family man, success in business, success in ministry, has invested himself in ministry, has walked through with people through some of the darkest seasons of their life, and in yet, Bill found himself at a place that he didn't think he would ever find himself, and that is struggling to survive and, and needing help to become mentally healthy. And so I asked Bill to come and share with you today as we kick off the series, and so would you welcome with me Pastor Bill Colton. Well, good morning. I say we just uh, close in prayer and call it a day. Huh? What do you say? Um, a month or so ago, you guys gave me this bat when I retired. Remember that? It's actually a fungo uh, for you baseball people. But um, you gave that to me. And I just want to applaud you for your foresight. You must have known I was going to have surgery last week and uh, need that to, as a cane to get up the, up the uh, stairs. But So thanks for that. It's actually doing okay, um, but some, so again, thanks again for the, for the fungo. Uh, I'm, this surgery could actually work to my advantage today. I'm, I am not above using, uh, playing the sympathy card, uh, and uh, uh, I, I'm not above that. I could, st I could still be under the influence of uh, narcotics. Uh, <laughs> And so if you hear something odd or something that doesn't really make sense, extend me some grace, okay? I'm going to play that sympathy card and ask for your grace. In fact, uh, <clears throat> on that note, maybe it'd be a good idea if we prayed before I continue. So uh, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this time with family and friends. Uh, we can gather together and hopefully learn from you, Father, be drawn closer to you. We invite your Holy Spirit to guide our time today. Father, I pray that you <clears throat> filter out uh, things that I may say that are not of you. I pray each person here uh, hears something that can be of value to them, that would draw them closer to you in some way, and to you be the glory. In your son Jesus' holy name, amen. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, how is it with your soul? Okay, was that an uncomfortable pause uh, as you reset? And, but it really, it can be uncomfortable when you think about our souls because sometimes it's, take, it's hard to take a look at our soul because it may not be that great. Uh, if this is your soul, this water was, it's supposed to be clear. It was last service. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's, your soul should be, it should be clear. I mean, it, but what happens is that we get agitated, we get in a hurry, we get all wound up, and our soul ends up kind of mucky and dirty and, and not clear, uh, kind of like that. 
Uh, well, Bill's asked me, like he said, to share about something that I experienced uh, specifically uh, about my battle with anxiety and depression, what a lot of people over the years have referred to as uh, the dark days of the night. Um, uh, excuse me, get that back. The dark night of the soul. And I've experienced the dark night of the soul. Uh, so I'm, that's what I'm going to talk to you about, as much as I'd rather be sharing about a lot of other things. Uh, this is what Bill asked that I share about. So I'm the setup guy for uh, Tara and Kristen and Bill in the next three weeks. Uh, now, this is my experience. Uh, I don't want to say it's my story. My story is bigger than this. But this is my experience. It's part of my story. And everybody has a different experience, a different story. So I'm, there's nothing special about me. Uh, but I hope there's something in here that can be of encouragement to you. That'd be helpful to you. Many of the things I've learned along the way are applicable to other kinds of journeys and other kinds of struggles in life that we all experience uh, one way or another at some time or another, uh, whether we're followers of Christ or not. Uh, Jesus said, and Leah read it during, during the worship, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And to that I say, thank God. Um, I'll be sharing some things and some ideas and suggestions and what the Bible says about all of this. Uh, and one last thing before I actually get into my experience. Um, Pastor Bill, a couple weeks ago, was teaching on Genesis. And he was teaching on the Tower of Babel. Maybe you remember that. And he, one of the main points he made in, in that message of his was, he said this, God, not ourselves, should be, the, should be our focal point. God, not ourselves, should be our focal point. And that's true. That's very true. So how does talking about ourselves and our health and all that kind of thing square with, with that truth? Well, it really does. And I'll, I'll just I'll give you a couple of reasons. One is that God has called us to be stewards of his creation. And guess who's included in creation? You and I are. We're to be good stewards of his creation. You and I are to be good stewards of the most valuable thing that he's given us, and that's ourselves. We've got to be good stewards of that, which leads into the second thing I wanted to say which about this is that God wants us to be a blessing to others, and we can't do that well if we're messed up. Um, the only, we can only give to others what we have. Uh, in his book <clears throat> called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which I really like the book, author Peter Scazzaro, he quotes another author, and he says basically this. He says, self-care is never a selfish act. It's simply good stewardship of the gift that I've been given and that I was put on earth to offer others. Listen to this. Anytime we can listen to true self and give it the care that it requires, we do it not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. All right? Great perspective. Self-care. It's not just for us. It's so we can be an impact a positive impact on others. Um, I'm also going to tell you before I really get started that uh, what I'm about to describe to you uh, after it happened and I started kind of coming out of it, I had no desire to talk about it, to go back, to revisit. I, wanted, I was hoping that was in my rearview mirror. Uh, I didn't want to deal with that again. And then I got asked to be sharing this in different contexts. And I said, nope, not doing it. And then I prayed and... Uh, 
God kind of prompted me and said, you know, Bill, this is part of your story now, and it can be used for good. So I spoke to the men's breakfast. If any of you guys were at the men's breakfast a year or two ago, I'm sorry, you got to hear this again. Um, but 1 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in, all, in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves receive from God. What a great passage. Notice the so that. You know, it'd be a good verse if there was just a period. That was as God's the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, period. That'd be cool. But there's a so that, and the so that says, so that we can comfort others. Um, it's been said that God comforts us to make us comforters, not to make us comfortable. And I think that's true. And we can't do that if we're not in a healthy place ourselves. So my experience, <clears throat> um, I grew up in Lake Oswego. I graduated from high school there, went on to Oregon State, and got a degree in computer science, graduated from there in, in honors, and went on to Lewis and Clark College, became a lawyer, and I practiced law for 21 years. I actually trusted Christ when I was in law school, which is a whole other story in itself. Uh, I know you find that hard to believe. In fact, I may have ruined some credibility right there with that one. But anyway, I, I really led a blessed life. I had wonderful, loving, supporting parents. I was successful uh, academically and athletically and socially. I was discipled well after I came to Christ. Like I said, I practiced law for 21 years and then came on staff here at Rolling Hills, served here for 26 years. Now, I'm not telling you all that to puff myself up or try to make myself sound cool in some way to all you guys. Uh, the reason I'm sharing that is because it sets a context for what comes next, which basically falls under the category of it couldn't happen to me. I suspect many of us here either consciously or unconsciously have that mindset. You know, it couldn't happen to me. It couldn't happen to us. But uh, it did to me. <laughs> and I know, I look around this room and I know people that it's happened to as well. And it could happen to you. So what was it? What, what did I go through? Well, in January of 2018, I was asked to introduce a speaker at our men's breakfast, which is not a big deal. And introduce somebody and get on stage talk in front of people. And, and the speaker was a friend of mine. I knew him. So not a big deal. But I got to tell you, something went wrong that day. Uh, I, on stage, I could not wait to get off. I just wanted to run from there. And I did. I got off when I got done introducing him. And I, I, I ran. I went home crawled into bed, pulled the covers over my head. Uh, I was not in a good place. And the next day, I woke up, Sunday morning, I woke up fully intending to come to church. And I rolled over and told my wife, uh, no, you're taking me to the emergency room. Take me to the ER. There's something terribly wrong. And that started a journey of anxiety and depression. <clears throat> but my problems actually started way before that. I just didn't know it. I wasn't paying attention to it. The fall right before that was a busy fall here at work. Uh, I'd had some health scares myself. We had some extended family issues. We had some deaths in the family uh, and on and on. And I was, uh, I was bur burning the candle at both ends. Um, 
which is not smart. Somebody once said, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not that bright. <laughs> um, and that was me. Uh, I wasn't sleeping. I was exhausted, but I couldn't go to sleep. It's, that sounds strange, but it was the truth. I get about two hours of sleep a night, but I was exhausted. Uh, I found out later a lot about sleep. I found once you get into that, that mode, sleep is huge. And if, you're, if you've got sleep dysfunctions, uh, it changes your head. It changes your chemistry. And it can mess you up. And that's what's happening to me. And that's where I was at. I had hit the wall. I was out of gas. Um, I was what, uh, what the author A.J. A. Swoboda, a local pastor here in the area, wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath went through the same sort of thing, and he's, he described himself, he said, I was a quivering mass of availability, uh, just trying to take care of everything, but a total mess yourself. Uh, but I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to see anybody. Uh, the only person I wanted to see was my wife, uh, Pam. And today, this baffles me, but I have tremendous kids, and I have grandkids that I adore, and I love having around. Not then. Didn't want them around. Uh, I, I began losing weight. I lost about 20 pounds. I was kind of fading away. I literally thought I was going to die. I really thought I was going to die. Well, why didn't I die? You just fade away. Uh, the bottom line answer is by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I didn't. Uh, more on that later. But in the meantime, I'll just tell you, the elders were great. They told me, um, take some time off and go get some help. And I did. And I'm going to talk about the form that that took, the help that I got, and I'm, I'm going to structure it this way. Uh, throw it up there on the board. The four F's, faith, family, friends, and physicians. <laughs> I know, I know, I didn't spell physicians. But I had to make the four F's work. So uh, that's what you get. Uh, now looking back, these things were, they are, and they will always be critical to my life. They're, uh, they're like my scaffolding. You know, people, you know what scaffolding is. It's, it's, it's uh, apparatus used to set up and, and fix things, repair things, and do preventive maintenance on structures. Uh, this is kind of my, my scaffolding, and I love scaffolding anyway, so I, that, that, that's what I named it. Uh, now, there, remember I said there's something wrong with this list? I wonder if anybody figured it out. Besides physicians, <laughs> isn't spelled right. Um, faith isn't a category. Faith is the category. Faith is the umbrella over all these. These other three are subcategories under faith. Faith is a thread that runs through all of it. Uh, it's, it's the most important thing. So let's start off with that, with faith. Uh, I, of course, I was asking why I was going through all these things that I was going through. Uh, why? Uh, the, and the truth is, I really kind of—I did it to myself. I did it through not thinking, or through thinking that I could do it all. Everything that came my way as a lawyer and a pastor. That's what you do. Problems coming your way, and you take care of them. Um, but I, I, through not taking care of myself, I did it to myself through not nurturing my relationship with God as I should, uh, for allowing it to stagnate. Um, so I was determined to reverse all of that, and I am just grateful to God, that my response to my situation drove me to God, not away from him. It's very important. If you're dealing with stuff, go to God. 
He wants it all. He wants to hear about it. He, that's what you'd want your kids to do, right? If you were struggling, you want your kids to come to you, talk to you about it. Well, that's what, that's what God wants. And I'm grateful for God that he gave me enough faith and trust in him to do that. Uh, I dove into his word, <clears throat> first looking for scripture that addressed my malady, uh, uh, anxiety, and depression. And I prayed. Slides four and five. Uh, just some passages that are there. There's many, many more. But, uh, you know, I, I just kind of landed on, on these and a few others. Uh, slide five, this verse from Philippians 4, I just wanted to comment real quick. Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And God will make it all better. He'll take, away, take it all away and make you healthy. Is that what it says? Uh-uh. It doesn't say that. It says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then say he's going to make it all better and make you all healthy, but the peace of God is what he promises us. And we can have, and that peace of God comforts us as we deal with the issues that got us to where we were in the first place. What he promises here, I love this passage, is his peace. Um, I dove in, into some other comforting passages like this, uh, slide 9 10. And I prayed. Okay? Great passages on God being our refuge strength and our place where we can go in times of trouble. Uh, awesome passages. And that, I want to I comment on that next one, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28. It says, Come to the beach, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to the couch, all you who are weary. Come to the TV. Come to the golf course, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Now, you may at some level find rest in those things, and they're good things, and you can, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus is talking here, and what's he say? Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Oh, boy, that's what I was looking for. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. His soul starting to rest there. Come to him. And I, that was, I, I had to live there for a while. And then another passage that I really camped, off, camped on after a friend prayed for me one day uh, was this one, slide 11. Uh, he prayed for me, and when he prayed, he prayed to the God of hope. And I thought, oh, cool, I need to know about this God of hope. Um, I, know, I know about the God who provides all the names of God, God who heals, God who is there, God who is our band. God of hope, I gotta check that out. And, and there it is, it's in this verse. May the God of hope fill you with all peace, with all joy and peace. If there was a period right there, that would be an awesome, awesome passage, all in itself. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Done. But it's not there. It continues on. That period, there's no period there. It says, as you trust in him. Oh, man, that's a key. He, the God of hope, can be filling us with peace and joy, but we've got to be trusting in him. And now, it, it'd still be a good verse if we just stopped right there. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on, and it says, so that. Remember, we've got to look at so that's when we, when we see him in Scripture. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. We get peace and joy, we get hope, and to the point that we overflow 
with it. And what happens when things overflow? They get on other things. Our hope and our joy, God wants that to overflow and impact other people. He blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Um, and I prayed a lot. Okay, family. Family was huge to me through this journey. Uh, my wife, Pam, was uh, a rock star there. I, she was so important to me through this. I learned that, I, maybe some of you may know this, geese, geese mate for life. I don't know if you know that. They, and you know, you, they will be flying along in those cool formations they fly in. If a goose has a problem, they go down, they land. Well, their, their mate, goose, <laughs> goes down and lands with them and hangs with them. Um, that was my wife. She was my goose. She was, uh, in fact, I call her goose sometimes. It doesn't go over that well, but I, not that popular, but I do it anyway. Um, my kids, Ty and Kelly and Angie, Ty is, would come over and watch ball games with me. I didn't even really want him around. It took a long time before I even welcomed that. He, but he watched ball games. Ty's got a great sense of humor. He would, he would uh, try to make me laugh, and it wouldn't work. But over time, it did. I was just so appreciative of that. It meant a lot to me. My daughter, Kelly, lives in Bend. She came over and spent time here as a comfort to me, but really as a comfort to my wife, Pam, because that was a tough time for her. Kelly was a great comforter. And she brought me a, 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 minion, piddle, a minion pillow, which belonged to my four- and five-year-old twin grandkids, her kids, because she had told them that Grandpa wasn't doing that well because he, he wasn't sleeping very well. Well, they slept with their minion pillow, so they gave it to Kelly and said, here, take this to Grandpa, maybe it'll help him sleep. So it was awesome. Um, and my daughter Angie, she would come and encourage me. She told me that she had the gift of, of faith, and she truly believed that I was going to get better. And that was, that was a great encouragement to me. I didn't believe it, but it was still an encouragement to me. And over time, I began to engage with that. And my brother and sister encouraged me. Anyway, family is really important. Uh, you got to have family around. And, and if you don't, a lot of people don't. A lot of people have dysfunctional families. They don't even want them around. Or your family's gone or a long ways away or whatever. Uh, that's okay. One of the primary metaphors for the body of Christ, for Jesus' family, is family. One of the primary metaphors for the church and the body of Christ is family. So you can find it here. You can find it among your church body, your church family. Friends, so many people let me know they were praying for me, and that is no small deal. And I, I covered those prayers, and I, and I felt them. Um, I had a lot of friends who wanted to come over and see me, and I told them, nope, no, I don't want you around. Over time, because I knew they were there, and they, they would contact me and encourage me by phone or text or whatever, over time I would let them come. There were a couple guys from church, that <laughs> the elders, uh, appointed to check in on me to see how I was doing. They'd want to come over, and I said, nah, I don't want you around. <laughs> and they said, no, we're coming over. And I said, okay, you can come over, and you can watch me be pathetic if you want to. Uh, and they did. They'd come over, and they'd come over, and I was pathetic right there with them. Over time, I started to engage with them more, and we would talk about things of God, and we'd pray, and we'd cry together. Friends are huge. My community group was awesome during this, this period of time. All right, Physicians. 
A dear friend of mine who's actually uh, one of our elders uh, himself had been on a journey similar to mine. And he came over and he challenged me one day and he encouraged me to go get some medical help. Go get some medical help and get a counselor. Um, he, he told me, he said, hey, Bill, have you ever, because I, I kind of poo-pooed it, you know, kind of rolled my eyes. And he said, uh, have you ever sprained an ankle? You're an athlete. That ever happened to you? Yeah. You sprained your knee? Yeah. Your shoulders? Yeah. Sprained all those things. Did you go get help? Yeah. He says, Bill, you've got a sprained brain. Go get help for your sprained brain. Uh, well, that made sense to me. So, um, so I did. I mean, after a bit, you know, at first I thought, hey, why would I need that? I'm a Christian. I can get through this. I've got the Holy Spirit, the great counselor. The Bible refers to him as the great counselor. Why would I need all this stuff? But I went there, and, and uh, it's the smart thing to do. This next slide, slide 12, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because uh, it, it's short and easy to memorize. <laughs> but uh, it's from Nehemiah 4.9. And ne- context here is Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And uh, he hears about opposition that is coming. Uh, there's people who don't want that wall rebuilt, and they're coming to, to stop him. He hears about that coming, and he says this, we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. I love that. Two things. He didn't just pray and then sit around and watch to see what would happen. And he didn't just go set a guard and not bring God into the process. He did both. He prayed and he set a guard. He did the, he did the common sense thing as well as praying uh, the spiritual thing. And, and we got to do that. So I said, okay. Uh, I'll keep praying and I'll go see a doctor and a counselor. And I'll tell you, uh, it's really important. Uh, a physician, just a simple physical by a physician can, can uh, uh, reveal things that's going on in your life that may not be, um, uh, that, that can be dealt with very easily. I, a friend of mine got diagnosed with a disease that he was just able to, they gave him medication and then there was no more, he didn't have any more problems. Um, that was, uh, that can happen. And a counselor, it's just so important to have a good counselor who can zero in on things that, that you may not be able to see, the blind spots you got going on. And he can give you tools to change that or to manage your situation. Uh, it's critical to have independent eye and independent ears on your, on your condition, your situation. So I went, and and I, if, you, if you're ever in a situation where you, you need to go do that, I really recommend you get a Christian counselor. I did. His, he was awesome. Um, his name wasn't Bob, but I'm going to call him Bob. Uh, because counselors, um, they have to be careful about sharing their faith in a counseling session. They really have to watch that. And they really kind of only do it with permission. And I knew that, so I told him, uh, <laughs> green light, forget that. We're talking faith here. And he, we had some great theological discussions about, about uh, how the truths of the, of the Bible play into it the truths in, in counseling that they use and share. So that, that was huge. Uh, he exposed some blind spots in me, uh, particularly in the context of grace uh, and truth. This next slide. Uh, Jesus, it, it, it says, the, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus, okay? Jesus came among us, and uh, we've seen his glory, the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I was really good on truth. Um, I was a lawyer, and, uh, and I, truth was, had a huge part in drawing me to, to the Lord in the first place. Uh, grace, I was a little weak on it, and he exposed that. 
And I went on a journey to, to get better at that. And uh, I realized I hadn't always related to others with grace very well. Uh, and you can't give to others what you don't have. So I started with myself, learned more about God's grace to me, and then was able to be more grace-filled to others. Um, I believe uh, uh, God, the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are more real to me now than at any other time in my life, and it's because of this, this journey. And I'm convinced it made me a better pastor and made me a better person. Um, okay, just a couple other things. Uh, I try to bring it all to God now. Like I said, that's what you'd want your kids to do, so I bring it all to them. Uh, I need, I've found that I need more time, to quiet time, to talk to him, to study his word, to pray. Uh, and, and so I've changed my schedule. I've got quiet time uh, that I take every day, spend time quietly with him, take times of silence and solitude, focusing on God, and take my Sabbath day each week. Uh, we're really bad at this stuff. We're bad at Sabbath. Sabbath means to rest, to stop. And it's commanded in the top, it's one of the top 10 in the Ten Commandments is to take a Sabbath, which is really crazy. We have to be commanded to rest. Uh, John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says, that's nuts that we have to be commanded to rest. It's like being commanded to like ice cream or uh, being commanded to go to the beach or something. Uh, we, should, we should be able to do that. Anyway, I'd love, to t I'd love to talk a whole lot more about these three things, quiet time and silence and solitude and Sabbath days, but I don't have that... I have that time. Uh, um, uh, these things are important and draw us closer to God and feed our souls. That's how we get quiet and the junk starts to settle is to take that kind of time. Um, so, and I can't, I don't have time to really teach on all that. So here's some resources for you. Slide nine. Uh, check those out. It's good for your soul, which is getting better and better. See, as we go along. It's just sitting still before God, <laughs> getting better. Right there. Um, okay, I'm not done yet. Uh, I'm not out of the woods yet with my journey, as Bill said in his. These things I've shared helped me through a really dark period in my life. But the better way is to embrace them as preventative uh, disciplines. My encouragement to all you guys is to be proactive, not reactive, like I was. Whatever your situation or issue is, build faith, build your scaffolding, get your faith, get your family, your friends, your physicians, get all that in order. Um, if you're in the midst of a situation right now, it's not too late. Uh, there is hope. Get going. Get help. Uh, friends, we're all a bunch of cracked eggs. Uh, we all got issues. And my, my son, Ty, is a construction manager. He's an engineer. He builds things. And he likes to say, uh, uh, if you're going to uh, make an omelet, you've got to crack a few eggs. Well, God can make an omelet out of all of us cracked eggs if we will let him. I encourage you to do the things that God has called us to do in order to prevent problems. Uh, but if they do come, do the things God called us to do in order to learn from them and overcome them and then be able to be a blessing to others. All right, I gotta get going here. Uh, I'm misbehaving. I, I asked earlier, you know, why didn't I die? And uh, I thought a lot about that, you know? God doesn't always heal in the way that we want. Um, so what if I did die? Well, Paul, 
and he says an amazing thing in, in his letter to the Philippians. He says, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What a crazy thing to say. He's saying, as I'm living, I'm going to live for Christ. But if I die, that's gain. <laughs> I get to, I'm in eternity with God and with Jesus. Um, he can say that because he's a follower of Christ. For us to be able to say that as Paul did, we also need to be followers of Christ. Jesus, in, in the way of, as Jesus said himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've got to do business with that. So I'm going to tell you a story real quick. Um, it's a lawyer's story. And it's a real story about a real event. And many of you in this room have probably heard this story because you've been to memorial services that I've done. And I, now and then I'll share this story. But I like it. You're going to have to bear with me. Sorry about that uh, if you've heard it. But it's a story about a guy named George, George Wilson in the 1800s. He was a guy, he was, uh, he was charged with murder and robbery. And he was convicted. He was found guilty. And he was sentenced. He was sentenced to hang. He was sentenced to the, given the death sentence by hanging. Uh, but before he hung, he was issued a pardon by the President of the United States. He got a pardon. But George Wilson did a funny thing. He said, you know what? I don't want your pardon. And if I don't accept it, it's not a pardon. And you got to hang me. That's what I want you to do. Well, that issue went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and Supreme Court Justice John Marshall at the time issued an opinion and said, you know what? As crazy as that is, the guy's right. That pardon is just a piece of paper until it's accepted. And if he doesn't accept it, it's not a pardon. And that, that death sentence is still operative. And he's got to hang. And hang he did. Now, aren't you glad I told you such an uplifting story at the end of my message? <laughs> well, the reason I told you that story is because it really demonstrates the gospel. Um, because, see, like George Wilson, you and I are all guilty. We're guilty of what the Bible calls sin. Bill... You heard Bill talk about it last week at Easter. And, and sin just means falling short of the glory of God. None of us can measure up to that standard. God's standard. We all fall short of that. So we're all guilty. And we have the death sentence. The Bible says the wages of sin, what we earn because of our sin, wages, is death. So, like George Owen, we could use a pardon. And the beauty of God's love for us is that he has provided that pardon. He's, he's extended that pardon to us through Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins and provide forgiveness for us. And through his resurrection, victory over death so that we can spend eternity with him. We can have our relationship with God restored now and forever for eternity after we die by accepting that pardon. How do we accept that pardon? We do it by believing in Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but shall know eternal life. We've got to believe in him and put our trust in Jesus. If you've never trusted Christ for your salvation, maybe you feel him tugging at your heart a little bit. I want to give you a chance to do that now, to talk to God about that. So I'm going to ask everybody, let's all bow our heads. And for those of you who may be feeling God tug at your heart, you want to make that commitment that you've never made before, uh, pray with me. So say something along these lines, if, if this expresses your heart. 
you could say, God, um, I believe in you. I believe you exist. I believe that you are there. And I know that I fall short of your perfect standard. Uh, and therefore, my relationship with you is, is broken. And you're pure and holy God that can't have fellowship with sin. So, Father, I, I, think, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for me, uh, for my sin, so that I don't have to. I believe the pardon provided by you to me, or provided to me by, by Jesus, uh, death and resurrection is available to me. And, and Father, I want to accept that pardon, and, and I want to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I do that now. And I look forward to what you have for me, this side of heaven, and in heaven after I after I die, as, as I grow in my in my walk with you and learn from you what it is to be a follower of Christ. Father, thank you uh, for restoring the relationship with you through Jesus' death. And I praise you in your son Jesus' holy name.